<laughs> don't do it. Sorry, audience. Uh, my camera is deciding it wants to be on drugs today. So. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, where we equip you with the tools to succeed in your pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. This is episode 44. My name is Arun Kumar, and I'm the driver, and I'm here today with my co-host, Dan LaRue. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good. A little tired. You know, just got back from from Anaheim, California. You know, kind of close to Arun, kind of not. So, unfortunately, I didn't get to see you. Boo. Maybe next time. Boo. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was a good trip. Long, but glad to be home. Did you did you go to Disneyland? No. no okay. No, just... I, I couldn't. If Heather had gone or Heather and Hadley had been there, I probably would have made the argument to go. Mm-hmm. But, like, for me to spend that amount of money to go by myself, I was just like, that would right, be kind of no. weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, as much as I'd like to go, but. Did, did you go to Fontana? No. I never left the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> having been to this event before. I know that that's what happens. Yeah, never left the hotel, which is right. fine. But okay, well, anything else going on? I mean, other than our quick technical difficulties, uh, you know, just I'm glad uh, we're past those. Yeah, and now we're past it. But uh, no, nah, just uh, chipping away at the business. You know, making sure that we're making money. All right. So it's getting easier. It's getting easier. Good. Yeah, I think I'm now in that same boat for the last week of very, very long days at the shop. And yeah, making sure everything's going smoothly, finding out it's not, trying yep. to fix that problem. Yeah, yep. it's, uh, they're they're becoming uh, further in between each other. But uh, yeah, it's I'm glad like that first 30 days is over. <laughs> I'm uh, seven days in. Yeah. Today, today, <laughs> seven days in. Well, at least you have a little bit more experience with it and <laughs> know what to look I out guess, for. Yeah. Well, my system's up and running. Well, okay. So just a quick reminder. If you like what you hear here, share the podcast, share the podcast. We've got a bunch of listeners coming in from the various social media platforms that we both link this podcast out on. But if we can deliver so much value to you that you feel it's worth your time to refer somebody else to this podcast. We'd very much appreciate it. And in that same vein, if you leave a review, you know, that helps get other people more interested in what they're seeing here. When we have hundreds of thousands of five-star reviews, people are inclined to listen and it would be awesome and very much appreciated if you would leave a review. And with that, Dan, do you have a fun fact for us? I do, even though it's kind of sad, but still interesting nonetheless. Uh, So the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety came out with a report uh, last week, and it it ran from 2018 to 2021. So it's it's a little lag behind as most government data is. (laughs) Uh, But Arun, what? car do you think ranks number one for most deadly cars on the road most deadly oh man yeah so so this would be (sighs) car accident fatality and this is this is 
this vehicle is involved or the vehicle yeah. this vehicle's occupants got killed yes, you see the difference per- yeah this person's occupants were were, were oh killed. god this is terrible i know there's <laughs> a lot of options here well i think you've, you're gonna be surprised by the answer it i'm guessing it's gonna be an american car or a korean car oh you're close with one of those answers <laughs> it's a japanese car it is. It is a Japanese really? car. Yes, it is. Hmm. I could have guessed Canadian, but I don't. I <laughs> okay, so Japanese car. I wouldn't think it's a Honda, Toyota, or Nissan, but it might be. Nope. It's not. Okay. Well, then it's a Subaru or a Mazda. Or am I forgetting a make? I think you're forgetting one. I think, unless I'm confused. Isuzu? <laughs> Uh, it is a Mitsubishi. Oh, oh no. They don't even make that many of them. How are they so highly? Yeah, well, I guess I mean, it's a percentage. Well, you got to think from 18 to 21, they still had quite a large selection of vehicles. Really? Yeah. I thought they only had the, the Eclipse Cross. Nope, nope. So you are looking at the Mitsubishi Mirage G4. Oh, that tiny number thing. Number one. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then number two is the Mirage Hatchback. Okay, that doesn't surprise me because those things yeah. are a tin box on wheels. And, and, and that's what the IHS pretty much said. It's like the smaller the car, the more more deadly. Of course. But rounding out at number three, the Dodge Challenger. Two-wheel drive version Yikes. specifically. Yeah. And then you, wow. have the, then you have the Hyundai Accent. That makes che- sense. The Chevrolet Spark. That's the key- so... Those were the two that I was really, yeah. and you're about to say yeah. Kia. Kia Rio sedan. Yep. Okay. <laughs> What's interesting is that they they actually classify a difference here. Number seven is the Dodge Charger Hemi two-wheel drive. So they have two different classifications between Hemi and non-Hemi Charger. Wait, I thought you said the first one was the Challenger. Yeah, Challenger. But they're char- like the non-Hemi Charger is also on the list. It's just out of the top ten. Interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. Whereas Dodge Challenger is lumped all the way up into one. Uh, number eight is the Chevrolet Camaro convertible, specifically. Uh, okay. Which I figured all convertibles were that dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Nissan Altima 9 and the Kia Forte at 10. <laughs> of course, the Altima <laughs> makes the list. <laughs> so uh, a lot of small sedans. Um, I know like Mustang is in there like 11 and... There's one other one at 12 uh, that I had saw on a different different report I saw. So, all right. But, but yeah, muscle cars and tiny cars are dangerous, guys. Um, but uh, and then the least deadly cars, it, it was not a surprising list at all. Is it trucks and German cars? BMW X3, Lexus hey. ES350, Mercedes-Benz E-Class sedan, Nissan Pathfinder, <laughs> Audi Q5, Toyota CHR. Nissan Murano, CHR, Volvo oh. XC90, GMC Canyon Crew Cab, Lexus RX350. So yes, all okay, all your midsize SUVs essentially. Right. Yeah. So, but <sighs> yeah, I, you know it's an interesting, you know, report but, there. So you know what's interesting is a lot of other countries poorer countries in the world, most of the vehicles on the road fit into that small sedan or small hatchback category. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, 
actually not even just poor, not even poorer countries only the UK, you know, I have, (laughs) well, no, not exactly, but all early two thousands, mid two thousands up until today, they make these really, really, really bare bones cars that you can buy new for 10,000 pounds. Yeah. They still have wind up windows. I was about to say they still have the wind windows. (laughs) It's, it's the, um, the WT Silverado or the Mm -hmm. XL F-150, like that standard in a car and cloth seats, Uh, manual wind up windows, no radio air conditioning recently became a standard and they're not very safe, but also (laughs) people, people in the cities drive slower than we do, but out of the cities, they're, way faster drivers than we are yeah i I think that's where the u.s kind of lost its touch with auto manufacturing is that they just don't have like those really dirt cheap alternatives that are meant to be throwaways at the end of its life cycle yeah you can buy a car in the uk for 200 pounds easily and it'll be running and running and driving easy to inspect and have pass inspection yeah Yeah. we definitely lost our touch there even a WT these days in the U.S. is well beyond what it is mm-hmm. over there. Yeah, the transit mm-hmm. transit base. <laughs> <laughs> you got your maybe a V6, basically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyways, on to the topic of today. So the mean potatoes. <laughs> our childhood dreams real is the title and the reason for that title is really for us to talk about it. And the reason that this topic came up, well, actually take a step back. The, the reason for the title, Our Childhood Dreams Real, that's a question that we're going to be posing to ourselves on this podcast and discuss it. And I just have a couple of points that I want to make on it based on my own experience. And I'm sure Dan has a similar couple of points that he will make, but Mm-hmm. The reason we got into this topic in general is because Dan asked me if I believe in, or I guess more specifically, you just texted me out of the blue and said, <laughs> what do you think of the saying passion over profits? So why did you ask that? Uh, so the reason why I asked that was because for some ungodly reason, I was on TikTok watching TikToks. <laughs> and there is a guy on TikTok. Um, his name is Vic. And he he goes around and will just ask random people on the street if they want a haircut. So he, he's a barber. Oh, by this trade. guy. Yeah. 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 And, and so I went to his website because, you know, I was curious about him, like where I could find him because, you know, maybe I'll hunt him down and get a cut someday. <laughs> Vic, if you're listening, you know, I want a haircut. Uh and I went to his website and his his motto for his business is passion over profit mm-hmm. because he's he's taking uh, being a barber as his passion and he doesn't he doesn't ask these people on the streets for any money. He just wants to do it because he loves doing it. He loves hearing the stories that these people tell him, you know, some of them are really motivating. Um, so, yeah, I just saw the saying I didn't think anything beyond reading it. And I was just like, I'm going to text this to Rune and see what he feels about it. And maybe something will come of it. 
I really like, so I think it's Vic Blends on yeah. most platforms. Mm-hmm. Yep. I watched a lot of his stuff in the past and he, yeah, the, the conversations that he brings out in people and yeah, they're a little edited and scripted, but. Oh, of course they are. Not, not scripted necessarily from the, the stranger's responses, but he knows exactly how to get people talking and I'm Mm -hmm. sure off camera there's, you know, a waiver signed and some prep work done and. Then we get into, okay, he's cutting their hair and he has a conversation with them about their lives and whether it's they're a, he does a lot of, I think Morehouse college, he's yeah. in Atlanta. So I mm-hmm. think Morehouse, uh, and, and so he'll ask, you know, what are you studying? What do you want to be when you grow up? Which fits perfectly into this podcast today. And you hear a lot of really interesting responses for that. So yeah, I, I love talking to that guy or listening to that guy yeah every every now and then when i find him i'll stop because i'm like whether this is scripted or not like this is a good conversation and yeah. there there just aren't people doing that these days like not in mass like where you're just gonna sit down and have a conversation like actually truly get to know someone in a in a 20 minute time frame sure and, and pull out like a good like a worthwhile conversation and another thing is i think a lot of people find that it's easier to tell strangers those sort of things, even sure. if they're on camera yeah. as it's happening. It'll be easier for these people to tell strangers than their friends or some acquaintance that they know they have an ongoing relationship with. This is more like a confessional or like right. an opportunity to just get it off their chest and out of their mind and just put it out there. Right. Cause you're not getting judgment from your closest friend. You're getting judgment from a stranger. And it's, and it's not judgment because you can yeah. tell he's just so full of love for his life and love for humanity. Mm-hmm. And he's giving away haircuts. It's kind of yeah. hard to deny. So some, some damn good haircuts of that too. <laughs> right. At least on camera, they look yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Vic Blends, he is a great example of passion over profits. And he brings out in some of these people that he's talking to, what are your dreams? What are what are you really wanting to do? What do you regret not doing? What do you still want to do with the you know remaining years of your life if they're an older person? What do you want your legacy to be? Those are the kind of questions that he's asking people and yeah they are pretty honest and you know they're on the spot they're not thinking about it that much so the answers are good you don't know if that's necessarily a fully fleshed out thought process but nevertheless that's kind of what we want to go down the road of today is have you think about it a little bit because i think it exists in the back of everyone's mind but Let's go back to Dan's original question here. What do I think about passion over profits? And so interestingly, I had to think about it because I think money is an important focus. I think if you are a starving artist, you are not going to be contributing to society in the way that you should be. But that's really what I want people to avoid is that concept of a starving artist. And it doesn't just have to be literally an artist you can be a starving mechanic you can be a you can be a starving customer service person 
you can be a starving Uber driver. You know, there's all kinds of different things where people feel like they're doing something that they enjoy. They got out of the corporate rat race. They never wanted to go into the corporate rat race, whatever it is. Yep. And instead, they're just struggling along at the bottom and they know they are. And they're not trying to improve their life station. And they're also making the excuse of, I just don't want to preoccupy myself with that. And money is a bad thing. Yeah, I, I, I would say that there is a limit on that phrase. And, and what you're saying, in my opinion, is correct. Because like, if I understand that you want to put your passion so far ahead, you know, but at the same side, like you still have to be a member of society and you still have to put in the effort to make your passion even bigger than what it is. So if, if you're just going to bottom feed, uh, I just, I don't, I don't think that that, that saying really fits after that. <laughs> um, you have to be able to, to, to provide back to your community, whatever it is. We, we all have an obligation to be a part of the economic engine. So that that's one piece of it. And then the other piece of it is I think people can use this or similar sayings as an excuse. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So because of everything we just said, and then layer on top of that, the fact that I know Dan is my podcast co-host. And so I, I'm thinking about a lot of what we talk about in the lens of we are driven. I was thinking, yeah, driven people, we should th- uh, strive for thriving financial success. That is part of the new American dream. So my first reaction was that profits matter more than passion? <laughs> as as I knew it would, I, I knew I knew when I asked you that question, that's where your brain was going to go right away. I guess I'm predictable. I, I mean, we've only known each other for over two <laughs> years now, so. <laughs> well, okay. So then I thought about it. I initially, when I joined the workforce, and I had the opportunity or gave myself the opportunity to earn money, I chose what I believed was profit. But if you think about it, or if I think about it, because I'm the only one that has all the information, I, I started my career in a consulting group within an accounting firm. And I liked that group because it meant more money and more prestige than the basic audit job, core audit job that most people in the accounting program at at my university got. So I was already kind of a step ahead in that respect. However, I was well aware of the fact that finance jobs and investment banking, which I could have gone into straight out of college, would have paid me significantly more money. But I opted to not pursue that route until it was too late. And it I wouldn't have been able to get that kind of a job given the long recruiting cycle that they have. So in college, even when I was picking my first full-time job, I was thinking about both passion and profits. I knew I was going to be able to eat. I knew I was going to get paid well, but it was also that I knew I was getting a job that I actually thought I was going to enjoy doing. Fast forward a little bit, I moved to London 
as we all know, and I moved to London because I had met the love of my life. Heck yeah. And gotten married, so I had to move to London with my wife. Double heck yeah. But, heck no, I took a <laughs> 40% pay cut when I yeah. moved. Yeah, ow, jeez. So I went, I was making, I was making almost $100,000 a year before a bonus and then I moved to London and I got promoted in the move. <laughs> and it, my, still got, it still took a pay cut. Holy cow. And my salary went to 44,000 pounds a year. Oh, yeah. Which, Which, what, what would have been the conversion rate then? It was 1.3. Yeah. So 1.3 means that I was making about 60 grand a year. Yeah. So I was yeah. making less than my starting salary in the US right oh. out of college. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. It, it, yeah. Was that just because of how much different the UK is compared to the US? So so it's because at that low level they expect people to want to work in London because it's London. So they're balancing between cost of living which is about the same in London as it is in California. They're balancing it with cost of living with demand, supply and demand. So they realize okay. that they can they can get away with paying that little because so many people want to work in London. It gotcha. is the financial epicenter of the world outside of New York. I understand. Okay. So if you're in finance, you really, really, really want to work in London. And so my my boss's 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 boss um, you know, way up in the company, but he was basically the head globally of my consulting group. He had two Aventador SVJs. Damn. So he was doing all right. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't yeah. the whole company. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't hurting. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, that was an interesting point that I, I was very much aware of the fact that I was barely scraping by on peanuts. And this dude had two Aventador SVJs new like ordered from lamborghini yeah oh yeah i believe it Uh, so that was a passion over profits decision obviously moving to london and then the the last one is the fact that i quit my job and started focusing on the automotive industry that i love so that was an easy one this is you know i i started looking at the the reams and reams of evidence to the contrary of my initial reaction I was like, all right. I've pretty much always opted for passion over profits. Yeah, you had one of those, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who am I? <laughs> but then, so I clarified with myself and I was able to to craft a reasonable, balanced, hopefully articulate response to Dan over text. And then we decided we'd talk about it on the podcast. That you do have to focus on both. Oh, 100%. Yep. But you have to put passion first. You absolutely have to, because if you don't, it doesn't matter how much money you make, your life will be empty. Mm -hmm. And the lives of the people whose money you're taking, for whatever reason, and and you're, you're in a fair market value exchange. So at the end of the day, 
in the US with capitalism and freedom of commerce in in most cases small business big business whatever it is you're working for money there's a value exchange going on that works so at the end of the day that's not a bad thing the bad thing is that your soul which yeah i'm getting into that realm here will not be fulfilled Mm-mm. at all no i i couldn't imagine me today doing computer science stuff <laughs> like I, I i just i i couldn't imagine it and being in the automotive industry it is you know that's my heart and soul mm-hmm. and it, yeah it's my passion but i find a way to make it profitable exactly exactly and a lot of us have it. and a lot of us are capitalizing on other people's passions in order to make our profit which is fine because they're profiting in the value that they're getting out of their passion yep now that hierarchy that i had to go back and discover for myself <laughs> is now something kind of ruminating in my mind so then i had a couple things i wanted to say about this and and we can talk about how you've approached this dan in your life the first point i want to make about passion over profit and about the deeper topic in there which is your childhood dreams is that they never go away You don't forget your childhood dreams. And where my childhood dream was to be a police officer, (laughs) what it really was, was being in high-speed chases and being a hero. And now I can still drive fast and I can still be that hero. I don't have to go be a police officer but I want to make sure I'm in a leadership position. I want to make sure that I'm being of service to people. I want to make sure that I'm in that position of authority, at least to the extent that I can ensure safety of others, that I can ensure other people are secure. That was what I believe that childhood dream really meant. And I can still drive fast. So, I'm going to say it again, and then I want to hear, Dan, what what you have thought (laughs) about for the childhood dreams part of this. (laughs) Yeah, you'll like it. It never really goes away. Your childhood dream, whatever it was, whatever it is, it's still there. And it doesn't have to be this super precise thing. It doesn't have to be a set of explicit criteria for a job. It doesn't have to be a title. It doesn't have to be a set of activities. But you know whether you're living it or not. So let's think about dance. So I have two answers. Okay. One of them's not gonna be mine. <laughs> okay. My mom will probably tell you that my childhood dream was always to be a, a garbage man. Garbage okay. truck driver. Like every time they drive by, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. But my true answer, because <laughs> I, I don't want to be a garbage truck driver. 
Um, my childhood dream is always to go to space. Always. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go. And uh, I believe in my lifetime that opportunity is going to present itself. And it it's going to be on the list of things to do before I die. So I got to challenge you on something. Okay. Okay. So your mom thought you always wanted to be a garbage truck driver. Yep. And it was because of your really, really young kid reaction to the garbage truck when it drove by. Yep. Yeah. I would just run to the, run to the couch, hang over the back of it, watch it out the window. Heavy machinery. Yeah. Being outside. <laughs> yeah. I know you're going with this. manual labor. How's drag racing treating you? Uh, about <laughs> all the same as those. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so some way or another, I have hit all three of those nails, uh, just not at, with a garbage truck. Yeah, and I, just... I, I won't lie. Like, whenever, like, I don't know, Dirty Jobs was on as like mm-hmm. I was an adult, and they do one of the at the garbage, uh, garbage facility. I'm like, dang, those loaders are sweet. Look at those wheels. They got metal <laughs> and they got spikes. Like. Like, I don't I guess, I guess I get where you're going and where, where, where I'm at is that you always have that little bit of childhood inside of you. And like when I'm at the airport, like yesterday, I'm looking at these giant planes. Like I could fly this. I could fly. <laughs> like, like they're so oh. intriguing. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, it's just so intriguing. And like in, any sort of strange, large vehicle or a small one like it's (laughs) like i'm all about it all right yeah i i I see where you went there yeah and i think with the space piece of it we're talking about how it how your childhood dream translates into what you're currently day-to-day doing and how that influences your degree of satisfaction with your life yeah and i think with that one if i had to describe it um i would say like with going to space it was always about humanity stretching for more uh which i constantly do in my workplace today and with my personal life like i I always want to go that extra step to you know to get out of the atmosphere and be adventurous with what I'm doing with work, take risks, um, which is what going to space really is. <laughs> so it's a high probability you don't come back. I don't. Yeah, I wonder what I wonder what the actual probability is. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it'll be safe in the next 50 years. Let's see what Google says. <laughs> Google says the fatality rate of space travel is 2.3%. I think that's higher than getting on a plane. If you get in a car accident, you have a 1% chance of dying. Oh, okay. So I mean, if, it's still low percent, but it's still very dangerous. If you if you get in a plane crash, you have a five percent chance of death. Wow, I figured it'd be lower because <laughs> all the flights every day. I figured it'd be lower. 
No, if you get in a plane crash. Oh, yeah, if we, yeah. If Which, we get... Okay, I think that's crazy high, but it just shows how few, yeah. I guess, how many crashes maybe are classified as crashes when they shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, because there's not that many people that have gone to space. So. It was 650 or something like that. Yeah, where there's yeah. like millions of people that fly on a plane right. every year. <laughs> like, like if you crash coming in or out of the atmosphere, you are dead. Like there's no oh, yeah, totally there's no survival rate of crashes. <laughs> yeah, space crashes. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> we think that we think that Dan will get to space. But yeah, I think okay, you you're looking at it in a way that doesn't immediately come to my mind, which is good. That could different perspectives on this. Mm-hmm. That that when you're thinking about going to space, you're thinking about how we are trying to push the boundaries of what we believe is possible. Mm -hmm. And where I think of that as something that you can really open your mind up with in day-to-day life where, you know, you didn't think it was possible for you to make your drive to work in under 10 minutes and then one day you do it <laughs> bad example no you you don't think you can get promoted to that next to the vp position sure but then you change your mindset and you realize you just have to do one things one two and three and it'll happen that's the aim that's what we're really talking about here but what you're talking about is space is yeah the next frontier you can say right i think yeah oh oh yeah yeah Yeah, it's soon next hundred hundred and fifty years i'm sure isn't elon musk gonna do it for us uh yeah after he saves free speech yeah right (laughs) (laughs) as soon as they figure out how to mine the moon ooh, then all the tides will stop or they'll get all screwy yeah probably but you know we're gonna have to leave earth at some point we're we're, we're humans (laughs) around we you know we've seen every single sci-fi you know, yeah. movie and show today. <laughs> well, the movie Wally scares me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think, and I'm not there. I don't think this applied necessarily to the last couple of generations that were pursuing the old American dream, which involved security and family growth over thriving in your current life because we were kind of scrambling to survive up until not that long ago whether it was plagues or industrial revolutions or just ways in which we we didn't yet have a lot of the technological and economic base of easy survival that we have today now we're now we're able to focus more on this bigger picture thing. So I don't believe that a lot of what we're talking about really applied to past generations because they were they were scrapping a little harder and they were not thinking about passion until later in life. Yeah, it, it was very much um, go to school, go to work, go home, take care of family. Like it, it yeah. wasn't, and, and that's how it was. No matter what the occupation was. that's just how it went and it didn't really matter what you did as long as it could pay the bills right yeah if sure i'm I'm sure there were people in in like the 50s 
forties, sixties, seventies that were, you know, doing things that they loved, but it was still like, we have, if, if I'm going to love somebody and I'm gonna have kids with this person, I have to be able to provide and put food on the table. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Whereas now between different societal expectations and different tweaks to the family structure that we may or may not agree with. And the fact that you're kind of expected to go to a four-year college, everybody's expected Mm -hmm. to, to kind of jump through certain hoops in order to join the professional workforce. There's a complete vacuum of this passion in the traditional career path realm, I think. Yeah, it's very much, hey, we're going to tell our kids that if you want to make a lot of money, you're going to go be a doctor of some sorts, or you're going to be a professional athlete, whether you love it or not. Yep. Uh, y- you know, we, we're telling our kids this, and it's not really what they enjoy, and we're only telling them because it's going to make them money. It's going to make them money or even worse is it's going to be fulfilling the childhood dream that the parent feels they cannot anymore. Right. That's the worst. That's the most toxic. Yeah. It will, yeah. Then you have your uh, parent projecting what their dreams were to their kid, which may not be the same for, right. for that child. And, and, and that's what I want Hadley to try and figure out is what do you really want to do? You know, and she's obviously way too young for this now, but um, I'm not going to put her in a place where she's going to try something even though she doesn't want to. She wants to go to she wants to go spend eight years getting a doctorate degree. Sure. Or she wants to go be a professional race car driver. Yeah, Hadley, I would love that, but I'm not going (laughs) to force you. Yeah. And I think. uh, It's important for parents to enable experience of diversity different Mm -hmm. different types of jobs or experiences or whatever it is but not force them to persist on something beyond what's reasonable for you know giving it a try yeah and and i felt and this didn't necessarily come just from my parents but i think just as society as a whole I felt very pressured to go to college and do a four year degree and pick something that was sought after to make money. Whereas like, like looking back at it, no, I didn't finish, but I found something I really like and I'm able to provide. And, like it, it, and, and it's, yeah, it's totally worked out for you with that. Right. I probably <laughs> could have went into a, a completely different field, maybe done a two year associates or not at all and went to trade, whatever it may be. But, you know, where I was, a lot of things weren't presented in front of me. I think I probably would have been a decent engineer. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And and your paths as you get older. So this we're going to move into the next subject here a little bit, which is even as you age, into adulthood, you know, we're talking a lot about that pivotal time between the ages of 16 and 24, let's say, where you have all kind of decisions to make about the path that you're going to go down. And what we're telling you about that phase is you may try to cover up or re- suppress your dreams 
what you really believe that you will be good at, that you care about, that you're passionate about, and that will earn you money. And instead you're going to medical school or instead you're getting your engineering degree or instead you're getting your pre-law degree or your accounting degree or just all the kind of, you know, I got an accounting degree because I liked it. My parents wanted me to go into medicine, but I found business and found that that was what worked for me. Yeah. Uh, Heather's parents wanted her to be, uh, be a lawyer and she's got her, she's got a poli sci degree because she was mm-hmm. going to go in, go into politics and be a lawyer. And that's not what she's doing. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you really need to take some time and think about where you want to go. Don't just do what other people are telling you to do mm-hmm. because you do. I believe that everybody has this ideal career path for them and it changes it'll adapt you'll learn you'll grow you'll change priorities something will happen to you so your ideal career path may change but it never goes away and if you don't take steps to pursue it then you will regret it so the next point it's let's say you're 10 years further down the road your late 20s early 30s even late 30s and beyond. But really, I think for our audience, that's pretty much where you fall. So I'm not going (laughs) to address (laughs) ages beyond that. So you're, you're 35. You got a young kid. You got another one on the way. You're a VP in a company, generic company, ABC. You've had a few different jobs. You've you changed jobs a couple years after college and you've stayed with the second company for seven, eight years and then they got acquired and so you decided you wanted to move on and you kind of found another solid mid-level company where you can have a good leadership role and it's growing and you can grow with it and you've been in the same industry for your whole career in a similar type of function You have good relationships with the people in your network. But something in the back of your head says that you should be knocking down walls and rebuilding them in houses. You like swinging a hammer. You like getting covered (laughs) in sawdust. I'm sounding like a carpenter. (laughs) Why didn't you choose a mechanic option for this? I don't, I'm not identifying with your contractor thing. <laughs> I, I don't identify as a contractor either, but it's the example I have here. So we're going with it. So you like construction. You like the satisfaction of the little tree house that you built for your kid. Basically. That That's does what it looks fun, like. Though. Yeah. <laughs> not for me though. Not for me. That's the thing. I'm way too much of a perfectionist for this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I see that one millimeter off and I'm not talented enough with my hands to really make that one millimeter get fixed. But this is why I'm paying someone to redo my deck right now. This is why I will pay contractors. (laughs) I'm doing it right now. Yeah. If you want to get into that, if you, so you've got this VP job, you, you kind of, kind of comfortable. You got a good salary. You're able to support your family, put some away. Maybe you got a toy or two in the garage. Now or something's relatable. And you know, you, you're thinking 
you know, you got that Saturday afternoon quiet period where you're like, man, I wish I had a construction project to work on right now. I wish, you know, I don't need to DIY anything around the house. It's already all been done, but I could really use some outlet like that for me to just get my fix. I have an example for this. Really good example. Does it involve HGTV? It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. Tell me your example. So one of my best friends, um, I believe he turns 34 next week. Uh, he's a mechanic. All right. And he is probably one of the best in town. Like, he, like one of the best. And uh, he hates it. Oh. It, like, because it, it, he, you know, he's got an, uh, a turbo LSF body, uh, Trans Am, you know, and he... His passion for that has been taken away because he's a mechanic. But my God, this dude can cook and he <laughs> loves it. Like, like, dude, his smoked briskets are some of the best I've ever had. Hmm. And, you know, he's kind of in this place of like, how do I get out of mechanics so I can go do like a food truck or a smokehouse? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and I've been having these conversations with him like, hey, we can get you out. Like, we, we just got to come up with the plan. He should listen to this. Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> so let's talk about it. There's some risk to doing that. You've got mm-hmm. your secure job. You've got your paycheck. You've got the company that you've worked for. You have, in his case, all the tools that he's accumulated over the years. It just sounds like, you know, if if I want my life to be secure and comfortable that I really just have to keep going down that route. Mm-hmm. The alternative is scary. The alternative is unknown. It's burning food. It's investing in the food truck or the restaurant space. It's trying again from ground zero. It's doing accounting and t- taxes and setting up a business. And it's not easy. No. Nobody said it's going to be easy. And maybe he should go work in a in a barbecue joint first or something. But there's risk. There's even risk to that. Your boss, yeah. your your boss at your current job is gonna get confused why you're trying to take off work so early or why you're you're taking more vacation because you're moonlighting as a as a barbecue he pit does master. Like- the last one he did, he, he started at two in the morning. Yeah, that's part of the life for sure. So yeah. actually that works well with your working hours, not overlapping. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and, I, and I know that you don't, you don't fall into this room, but uh, yeah, he, he's like, I started it at two and 9am rolled around and the family was starting to wake up and they're like, what are you doing? You're drinking a beer. And he goes, I've been up since two. 9 a.m. is now five. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I had I had to chuckle and sympathize with him because I've been on one of those sessions with him. Mm-hmm. And, and it's yeah, it's just an all night moonlighting kind of deal. Interesting. Yeah. And I didn't even mean moonlighting as in you're working by moonlight <laughs> yeah. at, in the dark at night. No, you, you, you do if you want a good good cook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, OK. If he stays in that job. He's going to keep getting paid. He's got his security. He's he's good at it. He's comfortable with it. If you just quit right away and go into being a, a pit master or whatever, 
there's a chance he becomes a starving artist. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that he makes no money doing it, that he tries to run a small business and ends up broke, or that he goes and works for minimum wage in a kitchen and ends up broke. And then that just is his life now because he decided, oh, you know, I was just, I didn't do it early enough. So now here I am buying lottery tickets every week. (laughs) (laughs) Can't even put a full tank of gas in my car just because I'm, I'm here at the bottom. And I'm not saying that he's the type of person that would let himself stay there, but that is the type of mentality that we're trying to combat. Yeah, and that that possibility is always there when you take that level of risk, no matter who you are. You can always get beat down into victimhood. Yep. Yep, if you don't go into it with the right mindset. Now, you do have to strike a balance with all that said. So the alternative here is that you you go and you do the minimum wage type work and build up your skill set and get a job offer you have your resume with this additional work experience. You can talk the talk. You're actually skilled and you get that job offer in hand. And then you ask for a month's notice period and you work that last month. You do right by your former employer. Not saying you have to work the whole month notice period, but at least if, if they want to have you stay on, that you give them that option. And then you, you negotiate the right salary because you're skilled in what you're doing. And yeah, you're not a proven operator. So you're probably taking a pay cut, but you can go leaner on your expenses. This hypothetical person that we're talking about, who's turned into a real person, (laughs) you can, you know, you, you've got a, a race car in the garage that you don't really need in order to get to the restaurant. So if it really comes to it, you could sell that. Yeah. If you need to downsize where you live, if you need to cut back on some of the subscriptions, if you need to stop eating out so much, you can do all that because this matters. And it matters not only for you, but for your role in society. This matters for what you want for your life. Sure. But this matters because you're doing something with passion that people value and that you are really good at. And so people will be able to derive more value from it because you care than if you stay as a mechanic where you don't try as hard. And I'm just saying that as a presumption that you do not work as hard as you could. You do not go the extra, extra, extra mile that you could be doing to keep up with all of the latest technical advancements, to go to the trainings, to keep investing in tools, to build your skill set, to expand onto different makes, to expand into different powertrains that are coming out. You could learn so much more about your current mechanic job. I don't care how good you are now, but you're probably not investing all that you could be because you're waking up at two in the morning to cook. And if that's the case, you can make a living doing that. You can absolutely make a living as a chef or whatever the title is that you you take on in that new job. And by you doing that, now you're doing something where you're going to wake up at two in the morning and invest in the thing that really makes you money. And you can do that from nine to five as well. Mm -hmm. Then go to sleep because you need sleep. 
And if you're waking up at two, you only got till about five or six before you got to go to sleep. <laughs> and that is what I think is so important about chasing your childhood dream is that when you find yourself in that role, you are willing to invest what it takes to be the best at it. And when you're the best at it, two things happen. Two things happen. Number one, society values you. You're doing something good for the advancement of all of us. Number two, because society values you, you're going to make a lot of money. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because, nah. because, you know, and I just finished reading this book and I, I've had it recommended to me so many times and I can't believe it took me so long to read it. But the E-Myth, and it's actually the E-Myth Revisited if you're shopping for it by Michael Gerber. This is a book about small businesses in America and how to turn a small business with an owner who is running around working 16 hour days where the passion has been sucked out of them by the business. And this happens to a lot of shop owners. This happens to a lot of other types of similar small business structures where they're really skilled at a thing. And so they went into business for themselves. You can do the job or you can run the company and you got to pick which one it is that you really want to do because you can do a damn good job at something and your earnings can go up. You will contribute appropriately to society and you will create that value that we actually need from you or you can run a business. And in either case, you're going to be making money. You're going to be investing in our advancement you're going to be providing value to the people around you but you have to do it you absolutely have to do it because if you don't then you will regret it you will regret it at the end of your life that's the end of my rant i think Passion does mean, passion does supersede profits. Passion matters more. But if you use it as an excuse to be a starving artist, then it's disservice to society. It's a disservice to your own life. If you choose to go the route of passion and you do it the right way where you establish security, where you make sure you have what it takes to take on the appropriate amount of risk, which will take investment. It'll take a lot of time. You have to be patient. You have to sleep less. You have to make sacrifices in other areas, cut back on your spending potentially. But you can make more money because you will care more you will work harder, you'll spend your free time doing it, and you won't even feel like you're working if you structure it correctly. So go read that book and then chase your passions because your childhood dream is real. It's still there and it still matters to all of us, not just you. And not just something you can bury away in the back of your mind until 
you're on your deathbed saying, I wish I had done that. Don't be that. Anything to add, Dan? I'm just really happy that you came around to my initial <laughs> thought on passion over profit and then added on to it. But yeah, no, I, I I'm really stoked because that, that was my initial thought of it does matter over profits because how else are you going to be happy? Money, they say money doesn't or can't buy happiness. And in a lot of ways it can't, but in a lot of ways it can, yeah. um, especially, especially when you put your passion in, in with it. Um, otherwise, no, that was, that was a lot of fun. I had, I had, <laughs> I had fun with that one. Uh, but Good. I do have a question for you. Okay. How do people get more involved with the driven community? Oh, good question. All right. <clears throat> so we have a discord. I'll start with the discord. It is structured into it, into a little two room hotel suite. I don't know. It's a weird way to put it. You got the main, you got the main room, the, the, the gathering area where everybody can come and hang out. You can mingle with other people, but you don't really know who anybody else is in there. They all just have a name tag on without any further descriptions about themselves. And once a day I get up on my soapbox and I yell at that whole room. But for the most part, I'm hanging out in the the closed conference room. It was kind of funny. I, I was up uh, really early at the same time you were every okay. day. I was in California. <laughs> oh, and you were up really early. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Good. <laughs> and it was actually 4 a.m. Yep, it was because cool. I was, was up at, you know, Omaha time. <laughs> so what were you doing with all that free time in the morning? Because uh, the event didn't start till eight, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, reading your post. Uh, I went for walks around the hotels, just, you know, exploring a little bit. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. so you did leave the hotel. Yeah. Didn't go far, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so that is the daily motivational message section of the Discord. And it is free to enter. There's a link in the bio of my Instagram page. There's a link on my LinkedIn. There's a link on Facebook to join this Discord group. And it's a it's an app. You have to download the app and then you're in. You can message with people. You can message with me. And most importantly, you'll get these daily motivational messages around four in the morning Pacific time. Now in that conference room, there's a password. And it's a password that's not hard to guess. There's no paywall. There's no fee to get in but there's an application and all we want from you in order to get into the driven network, which is what exists in this conference room is for you to fill out that application, honestly. And it's not short. It's fairly short. It's like six questions or something like that, but really it's just clarifying why you want to join because we want people in there who want to be there and who will use the resources of the driven network to better themselves and to contribute both. So if you join the driven network, you will be surrounding yourself with other driven individuals from around the country and around the world who are pursuing excellence in business, fitness, and cars who join a weekly group call where we discuss a lecture of my choice and how we're all doing 
and in specifically in our pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars, and we hold each other accountable to the goals that we set to the goals that we set. What else was like, Oh, to the actions, <laughs> to the, to the actions that we, that we commit to. And we push each other to be better and stay driven. And I love that group and it is ready for more. So let us know if you're interested in joining. And lastly, if you want to see more of either of us on the internet, we're both very easy to find. We're both rare named individuals. So I'm Arun Kumar. <laughs> yeah, I know. John Smith. I'm, I'm Arun Kumar on LinkedIn and Facebook and Arun D. Kumar on Instagram and TikTok. And Dan, actually using TikTok at yeah. this particular moment. Where, I know. Where can people find you? Well, I am Dan LaRue on Facebook and LinkedIn. There are two of me. I'm the younger <gasps> version. Oh, yeah, no. The other one's my dad's cousin. Uh, okay <laughs> so i mean he's related at least yeah um and then i am uh dealer 95 on tiktok uh i i might post there soon i'm 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 get i'm i'm on the really? edge i'm on the <laughs> edge of thinking about doing it just just for shits and giggles will probably be car content and then i'm uh dan underscore larue on instagram if you want to find me there and then uh twitter don't bother i'm banned so you're banned? <laughs> yeah, I'm banned on Twitter. <laughs> okay. And it's been a, a month-long process of trying to appeal the ban, but I, I've been banned because I got hacked and that hacker sent uh, um, like 3,000 direct messages to random oh. people with um, with a link that wasn't so good. Okay. Yeah. You know, on that same so. subject, Evelyn got banned from eBay. Oh, and we think it's just because she never verified her information, mm-hmm. but she was trying to sell like a Disney paraphernalia thing on eBay oh. and neglected the profile for six months and <laughs> got banned. Got banned. But yeah, since Elon, you know, fired pretty much 80% of Twitter, I filed an appeal and um, no response. So I mm. think I'm just going to be forever banned. Yeah, that, you know, he moved fast with that company for sure. All right. Well, so just another quick reminder, if you did enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review, share it with your various people in your circles that are interested in business, fitness, and cars. And hopefully you got a little bit of value in one of those areas, probably not fitness today, but the other two out of today's podcast. And that's all we got. So this has been Arun and Dan. We appreciate you listening. And until next time, stay driven.